So it is perfectly possible to work hard all your life and die poor for that reason. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Awesome. I'm so glad you. you touched on all those points then. I'm fantastic. And you're right. Um, we, we start watching the news. Uh, and my parents now tell me, you should be watching it. It's important. There's stuff on it you need to see. And then, so, yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying your parents are wrong in any way. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is go back to the 25,000 thing. If you're going to commit yourself to 10 minutes a night watching that for the rest of your life, how many hours of that and how much you get out of that? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, it, 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 once you get into it, you can actually start being quite ruthless for yourself as well. You know. Yeah. Well, it, it, like you say, man, it's, it's the ownership. It's um, you know, not, not putting responsibility for what for your life on anybody else other than yourself. Absolutely, we're all. Yeah. Um, again, uh, um, this is no moral judgment on anyone. I am not a religious man. I take the view that we're only here once, and we are only here once. We all get twenty five thousand. Enjoy it. Exactly. <laughs> Enjoy yeah, no. it. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, a little story from one of my mother's last night, and we met up with somebody from a, a mastermind group we're in. Uh, never met him before. Really? Yeah, which was pretty cool. I mean, he only lived up the road, hour away from me, and uh, we're in the same group. So we met up, uh, had a photo shoot, fantastic, good, you know, good, good few hours. Like, and when I come back to my mother, she said, uh, "So, do you, how do you know this man?" I said, "I met him in a group." All right, you ever met him before? I said, "No." What if he was a, uh, like you just said, what yeah. if he was a, a serial killer or a murderer? I said, what if yeah. he wasn't? I said, I love the way your mind works. It drives me nuts. How old is your mum, Joe? How old is your mum? 70 plus. Yeah. So I would say, then what you need to do is go back to maybe when she was 15, 20, what, when would that have been? 70 plus, um, 1950s? Yeah. 50s, yeah. So what kind of information would she have been fed in the news um, and in the newspaper or the radio? There weren't much of an outlet then. I mean, I, how have you, Joe? Uh, me, 43. Well, I'm, I'm 52. I can remember in my lifetime, my nan had a black and white TV, had two channels on it and a radio. And that was her whole thing. Every single day, yeah. she'd open the newspaper. She'd go straight to the death to see who died. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and some and some of their family got married and that was her oh she's done yeah you know so it's perfectly understandable that your mum feels like that because because she's been she's can not and there's Condition. no reflection yeah. yeah yeah and i'm not i'm not i'm not saying any mass mind control i'm not that, that sort of conspiracy nonsense but what else would you expect do you know what oh, I mean? absolutely right and saying there's no judgment i'm just this no, part, no. It's part of the story but uh it, it's, it can be it can be frustrating but it's also great to see someone else's perspective because my mother influenced my perspective on life yeah he well, heavily so you know yeah 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 um to the point where uh, when i when i do things i can invariably see the worst scenario first mm. because of the th if you know do you not think to a degree though that that's a hum that's part of human nature as well it is, it is to a degree uh yeah i do agree but not I, the other aspect of that is once you go to the default to the worst scenario, which you know back to caveman days would make sense. Yeah, is the fact that you don't act because of the thought of the worst scenario, which means you don't go anywhere. 
Yeah. Just, do you know what I mean? If you've got yeah. the awareness to understand, it's just you a, become you become risk averse. You yeah, and then you never yeah. do anything. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's, I went for I I, I don't mind sharing this for you with you either, Joel. Um, after I had a pretty tough time in, in a business deal that that went south for me, and at the tail end of that, I was just absolutely frazzled, burnt out, stressed. That went on for quite a long while, and the word risk aversion is is something <laughs> absolutely a horrible, horrible position to be in, where yeah. you just don't want to do anything because you you become so over analytical of everything that you do. Yeah. Um, thinking the implications are not on implications. Yeah. And you have to just kind of turn the noise down and and and, and um, reboot from there. No, yeah, you're spot on, me. And I think that you just touched on with the meditation. I think that's a key way to do yeah. that. That's like, how I did it. That is exactly how I did it. You know, and I was fortunate enough. I mean, like I said, I've been very fortunate in my life. I've met some really incredible people that had a massive impact on me. Through 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 much of my young life, um, I did martial arts. Um, I did that. You know, from the age of about 12 to my mid-30s until I, I tore a tendon out of my elbow, which paralyzed me for a couple of years. It's something that I, I love so much and I, and I have every intention of going back to it, something I can pick up anytime I want. Um, back when I was very young, the guy who's the founder of, um, well, his, his father was the last Royal Court Guard in, in Korea, um, which kind of goes back, back um, I think, to one of their, their um, em- was part of an empire. I'm not really sure, but the early parts of the of it are about five and a half thousand years old. So some of it is Buddhist family and military martial arts. And he was the guy who talked all about meditation. But it was kind of a side effect because in in the martial art that I did, there was um, it's a self defence. So it's not like a combat type thing. Mm. Um, although there's combat in it, it's not like um, MMR or whatever. MM, mm. MMR. Mm. <laughs> um, it's not kind of like that. Um, so there are parts in it. So, that, so when you get your black belt, there's a, a, a form where you have to move around. So like you do a punch and kick and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's also techniques and there's also um, combat techniques. But with the forms for the black belt one, it's a Buddhist form and there are 109 movements in it. Oh, wow. and you have to, yeah. And, and there is one for every belt. And then once you get the black belt, master degree is fifth degree. And then there's, um, I think, eight, which is chief master. A fifth degree master degree in, in, in what I did would take about 25 years. You have to be able to speak basic Korean. You have to be able to name every active pressure point on your body. There's about 350 of them. Um, and so how he taught us to remember large chunks of information was through this meditation technique. So it was kind of a side effect that what I realized was is that that sort of Zen moment that you get in when you're meditating also is very, very good. For, for mental recovery that's good for your soul too as well um Definitely. yeah it's kind of like you know the other way i explain if i try and explain everything in, in computers you're going to defrag your hard drive that's the kind of way you defrag your head yeah. um it's very good for you and i and, and i encourage everyone to have a go at it yeah absolutely me and me it's uh people tend to i think there's a, like a not a fear but an apprehension around whether they're doing it right yeah you know, and that's I think that's what holds some people back. Well, uh, I'm happy to share the way what the way that we were taught to do it. Um, if you want me to, yeah, cool, yeah, go ahead, yeah. That's a very brief and quick thing. So what what they believe is they believe that when when you're born, you're born with a thing called key, and your key is fully developed before you are born. So when you're a fetus, it's at its absolute maximum. 
And it's at, at its maximum because you are joined to your mother for your umbilical cord. So you oxygenate in your body through your umbilical cord. So as you're born, your key starts to fade. And unless you do this meditation technique to preserve it, it will fade, you know, for the rest of your life sort of thing. So basically, the, there's 15 positions. Um, you don't worry about any of that. Um, and these positions are positions that you're sort of similar in as a fetus. But the key to it is this. It's very simple, really, is that your lungs are roughly the size of a milk bottle, um, just sort of kind of like that in the UK. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big they are in litres. But most of the time, we're breathing with the top part of our chest like this. So when you, if you think about a set of bellows that you, you, you blow into a fire, when you draw a set of bellows like that, you're, the point at the top is actually staying still. And when you go like that, the oxygen comes into the bottom. Yeah. So the idea with this technique is you lie on your back. The best time to do this, and actually I'll, make it, I'll loop it into this other thing. This is how you're going to increase your light bulb moments as well. The best time to do this is just before you go to sleep at night, I find, right? So you lay down, you get yourself comfortable, lie on your back, put your hand on your belly button, flat like that. And what you're trying to do is breathe with just your belly button. So you want to breathe out and then in for the count of 10. And if you count to 10, so you go like that, one, two, three, all up to 10, and then all the way in for the count of 10. And while you're doing that, you have to think of absolutely nothing than, 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 than the void, whatever it is you're looking at in your head, but just blank, just nothing, right? Just your breathing. This is the whole technique, and it can take you weeks, months, years, the rest of your life, it doesn't matter. But the point of it is to try and increase the time that you're thinking about nothing. Right? And by doing that, it's taking the discipline in your own mind to be able to just turn it off. That's the first point. So once you have, you know, once you, you, you start doing it, you, as soon as a thought pops into your head, you know, like what you have for breakfast or anything, you stop and you start your count again from zero. And you just keep going and you just try and increase the time that you're thinking in that state of mind where you're thinking of absolutely nothing. And I promise you, it is incredibly powerful. So what you'll find is, if you're doing this at night time, also as you go, you, you'll never remember doing it. It will, it will help. It will absolutely break any sleep problem you've got. I promise you, from someone who's been through this many times, it will also start increasing your light bulb moments. Now there is one slight downside. Your light bulb moments, I find, and I've found throughout my life, have nearly always come to me just as I'm between going to sleep and being asleep. Right, and probably most people are the same. So the one thing I absolutely, you know, if you're going to have a go at this, I, I sort of kind of insist you do as well. Whether that's your phone or a notepad, I take a notepad to bed with me every night, every night. So if you have an idea, right, for God's sake, get out a bit of paper and just do that and write it down. Because in the morning, you will never remember it. Yeah. And that's gone forever. I will say this, if you're going to increase your light bulb moments, they are such fragile things. If you don't start getting them down and then acting upon them and how you process those ideas, is a whole other story but to start with harvesting them first and capturing them is definitely the, the, the point to start at yeah it's that's another salient point john you touched on uh, two nights ago i had a bit of you know going back to what you said earlier on as well that twenty-five thousand thing was was the gist of that to because you was on about the loop if you keep staying in the loop and don't close it and then focus what you've learned and apply it mm. do you know what i mean so it's like if you, you can stay on the treadmill learning forever. You can, you can. You know? But yeah, again, uh, um, people that have influenced me and things that have influenced me, you've probably heard of, have you heard of Napoleon Hill? Yeah. 
that actually basically is another thing that sort of nudges into this. Um, for those that haven't heard of Napoleon Hill, he wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Um, I think it's the most successful self-help book ever printed. And he wrote that in the early 1990s. Now, why is this unique? It's unique for a lot of reasons. He, he came up with 13 steps to success. Most of that book I could probably recite off by heart because of the because audible. of this, the audible, audible, audible book. Um, and you might, you know, if, if a listener goes along and think, oh, I'll, have, I'll have a listen to that, you might listen and think, oh, this is a bit dated and a bit old. You have to, the first thing you need to do is to put it in context. Where was he when he wrote this? The early 1900s. The second thing, from a business perspective, um, who, would, who, who were the people around him that he wrote about and influenced in for some 25 years? These were his personal friends, people that he befriended and got to know very well. Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford, um, J.P. Morgan, all these great industrious, these incredibly powerful and wealthy individuals. Morally, some of them were a little bit short, to be fair. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, he took their secrets to success and their disciplines and things that they didn't, didn't do. And he made this book and he made the 13 steps to success, um, which which also, um, like I say, dovetails into the 25,000 thing. So taking the ideas is one thing. Once you've got that pattern going and you start harvesting these ideas, um, putting them into action. The 13 steps is 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 a very good place to start yeah no i agree i've read the book and this uh i've read it multiple times actually and yeah, on, me, and on me audible too. yeah uh, me too <laughs> no, so, so yeah uh the other day when i was trying to get a bit i needed clarity and i didn't know have a i didn't have a direction because i'm trying to find people i'm trying to i didn't know what to do so i just decided mm. right i'm gonna do this yeah and that night i went to bed <laughs> uh put the light off and I put the light back on. I had to jot something down because something popped in. Put the light off. <laughs> and then in the end, I give off, I give up turning the light on and off because I kept waking the wife up. And I was writing in the dark for it must have been about 45 minutes. Just things kept popping in. I thought, I got to get this down. I got to get it down. And there was such a sense of re- relief. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. Know? You think, because you know you're caught up, don't you? Yeah, but it was also a relief because what the the ideas were so pertinent to the problem, yeah, or the you know, the current thing I was trying to get past, that it's, it's it was like they they produced answers to the problem for me, which I knew I could then act on. So this is uh, you've now touched upon something else. So it's got its own reward. It's it is self gratified, isn't it? it right, is, yeah. It is. It really is. Yeah. Yes, it, it was. I mean, I, I get them, like you said, they're, they're few and far between, and you've got to, I think you've got to act on them. Because what I've been told is when these moments come along, get them down and act on them. Because if you don't, uh, you won't, you won't. Yeah, you won't, you won't remember it. Yeah, and worse still, you make that the habit. Yeah, you know? that's, that's you, it. You, you could be someone, an individual sitting there who's who over his lifetime had, let's say, half a dozen of, of the most fantastic ideas ever. But if that's what I'm not, I've sat, you know, um, blokes at work where we sat down and had a tea and all this sort of stuff when I was still doing construction and you come across some incredibly clever people you know who, who, oh, I had an idea to do this and think, why Why are you here <laughs> yeah. put, your, put your sandwich and your blast down and go and, go and do it yeah yeah it's, it's crazy it's crazy and so for us this is the thing I'm going to act on now so yeah it's, uh, it's, it's it is rewarding it is worth it and capturing it because if you don't and it, like you said you don't want to make the habit of having ideas and ignoring the ideas the habit 
Well, I'll share this with you then. I was just processing that through my head. So we can bring that neatly back to where I am with my life at the moment. So when I went on my exploratory to discover how money worked, um, the mechanics of money, how economies work, um, how all these things work as a young man, just because, you know, to avoid the, the pitfalls of it, if you like, and to stay compliant with the tax systems and stay within the legal legal um, things that you have to comply with and all this sort of stuff. There, I could sort of sense that there was something not quite right um, with all of it. There was something wrong, you know, even looking at stock markets and how shares worked and how, you know, navigating your way through them if you want to buy some shares and, and with a view of investing, all this sort of stuff. I, I thought there is something that just doesn't work for me. And I can sum that up because I did get there in the end. And it's something wrong with the way that our money works. And to, to understand that, you need to define what money actually is. Can I ask you, Joel, what do you think money is? Uh, a means of exchange. That was very clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be. I mean, um, there's a guy called Aristotle, a Greek philosopher. And now I am going to drop myself in it because I always forget these. But he... he define four requirements of sound money called a sound money um fungible durable store of value uh, means of exchange i think that probably is one of them. might be i can't remember because I, I, I always forget i should have written that down so there's four requirements a bit like writing a software program right okay but when you look at what we use i'll show you something when you look at what we use for money um there's a big difference between money and and currency and here's the thing there are things there, there there's a group of people called gold bugs um and these are people that believe that gold is only, the only true form of money and i have to say after all the research i've done i completely agree with them if you go back far enough the earliest um story or, or evidence i could find of us using anything as money i think was either feathers or rope and but you might think well how did that work there's a bit more to it it's it's the time and effort spent putting into how the roots were braided yeah. there was no quick way of doing it it takes considerable time so when you have one of these braided roots um they represent some considerable value because there's the man hours that have gone into them yeah this is called in in bitcoin this is called proof of work which has been a bit controversial um in the last year or so um, and the feathers, I guess, work the same. If you move from there, the next thing I found was shells. They used um, small, um, like these little seashells. Um, and, and different variations thereafter, because each one comes with its own problems. I mean, shells are all right if you live miles away from the sea. But if someone turns up one day with a truck full, they're going to destroy, destroy your economy, aren't they? So then gold comes along and it fits every requirement of sound money. And if you look through um, throughout the last, say, two and a half thousand years, gold has played a, fan, a fascinating part in being our money. Um, in the early 1900s in the UK, we stopped using sovereigns and silver. Silver is the secondary coin. And now, I don't know if I've got one here, actually. No, I haven't. Um, we have pound coins, which are gold colored, and the rest are sort of copper to look like gold, I guess, um, and, and silver coins. So none of them are actually money. What they are is currency. There's a big difference. So if you go back to when it took about 400 years for us to move away from using gold as money 
and and using currency and how that came about was we would take our gold if we were frightened about being or what more security we would go and deposit that in a in a goldsmith or a bank they would look after it for us and they would issue us with so if you took your gold bar to a bank and put it in there they would issue you with a promissory note and you'd take the promissory note back when you wanted your gold and get your gold out now after some considerable time like i say this took about 400 years people stopped going back to get their gold and just swapped the promissory notes okay and that's how currency came about so even today if you take any english pound note which i will say is now plastic <laughs> um and if you look on every single one of them just underneath there what do they always say about the small print no one ever reads it do they i'll read it to you i promised to pay the bearer the sum of this is not a pound note it's a promissory note okay but um as you just now touched on the idea of means of exchange that's what we use it for means of exchange and for a long while there's been no connection between the issue issuance of promissory notes and gold so a lot of people still think that there's some gold backing up our currency there's not clearly there's a lot of gold in the bank of england for example our central bank and the federal reserve is the american central the ebc every central bank will hold gold in its vaults but i don't know if there's any connection between or a direct connection between that and how much currency is in circulation now the ratio to um the ratio to to the gold that we have on deposit to the to the currency in circulation is some has been misused for, for hundreds of years because there's a temptation for for rogue states and governments uh, sorry rogue states and central banks some of the more nasty places in the world to clearly just print out as many as they want um, and that causes inflation in their currency and you end up like you are with venezuela and zimbabwe and places like that give me a second <laughs> Sorry, Jill. You Sorry. end up with um, places like Zimbabwe and Venezuela. This is um, a real Zimbabwe new. Um, look at the value of it. <laughs> wow, hundred yeah? trillion. And that is a real new, yeah. And when they when they use them over there, they put them in stacks like that, elastic band them together, and weigh them. And Big that's how they pay. Yeah, because they're worth so little. Now, just to recap, what I'm talking about is inflation. So this is the thing that I think from a, a design perspective, which is inherently wrong with our money. And this is why I discovered this probably about 25 years ago. But this is one of the other reasons why once I discovered Bitcoin and got pulled into the rabbit hole, I thought to myself, holy, I, I figured out what happened and yeah. what Bitcoin actually is. So I'll try and sum that up um, in, in a couple of sentences. So if you look at the way money is created, now you can argue about that and you can go and ask a bank, but generally speaking, it's lent into the economy. It distributes from the top. It comes in um, from the banks down to um, all the other lenders and then in the say factories and shops and wherever, and then in the people's pockets and they use it as currency. What's wrong with that picture? It's, it's the first word I said, lent. Ah, okay. So, if we were going to create a current uh, an economy ourselves, you and me today, right? Never happened before. And we lent in, say, a million dollars. We lend a million dollars into that economy. It filters down like that, 
trickles in like that and there's the economy and away it goes where's the interest come from to pay that back i don't know it's never been printed it doesn't exist we never printed it <laughs> okay do you see yeah i do yeah. so there's there's the design fault and this is a design fault that goes back hundreds of years and with it as it scaled up right back to adam smith when you know the forefathers of america and all that sort of thing when they when they founded that it was to run a colony or a small country yeah but now you know hundreds of years later and we've got we've got the internet and it's all connected and it's all digitally connected that almost atomic problem underneath all of it is still there and it i think in my own opinion and it's an opinion I think it could bite us on the backside badly, um, systemically. So yeah. if we if we now just go back to what I now said about, about the way that money is created, that doesn't really matter. It's lent into the system and there isn't the interest to pay it back because it's not being created. So what does that actually mean? What it actually means is, is that wherever the money is being issued, whatever the money is, yeah, it has to be perpetually pumped in. They can't yeah. stop pumping it in because if they do, the interest accumulating within it will just eat itself okay so most people think inflation means the cost of things going up so everything everyone knows that things go up they cost more in the future yeah um a family friend of mine bought a house in the next village in the 60s and he paid two and a half thousand pounds for it he doesn't live anymore in fact he died a couple of years ago but, but i know that that house is probably worth about three quarters of a million pound now it hasn't gone up in value. It's probably worth exactly the same. It's the purchasing power of our money going the other way. Inflation isn't the cost of things going up. Inflation is a reference to inflating the currency, putting more in. Uh, okay. Ah, so what that means is, if you look at our inflation at the moment, off the top of my head, roughly two, 2% two or so, I think, roughly, right? That is the rate at which the value of your money is going down. All of us. So it's being diluted. It's being diluted. So I think over 10 years, at 2%, and don't quote me verbatim for this, I think 10 years at 1% or 2% can take 50% of your wealth of your life. So it is perfectly possible to work hard all your life and die poor for that reason. I was just about to say, I hear the stories of the boys on the floor, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm working all these hours, yeah, and I don't seem to be any better off. No, and you won't. And actually, it gets a little bit more. I want to say sinister, but I don't mean it in a way that these bad people trying to hurt us. It's just bad economics. Yeah. It can get sinister from there. Now, your mum is the same age as my mum. Come from the same generation. I guess born 1945. Around. Yeah. Yeah. why that was the end of the second world war everyone yeah. came home nine months later there we go yeah um and then um my generation was the 60s which was when that generation grew up and had, had their own children so i'm sure your mum will tell me that tell you the same stories that, that my mother told me through the 60s right she said working you did you, you worked out a choice not out of necessity so what she meant was as a young person She'd go out, she'd do a few weeks or a few months work and then have the summer off. Yeah. Work was something you did through choice. If you lost your job or if you got fed up with it and just thought, oh, I had enough of this, you could go and get another job in a couple of hours. There was work everywhere. 
young people will prosper. She told me she was one of the first people in our village, her and her boyfriend, bought a car, and they'd have been in their teens, and drove to London. Yeah. That was on, the She models have been going around the world back then. That was a huge thing to do. Yeah. But yet, these young people had, you know, and I've done some calculations on this. Again, do not quote me verbatim, but I think because they didn't have um, a working wage back then, what they had was, sorry, they didn't have a minimum wage, I beg your pardon. They had a working wage. So what that meant was if an employee wanted someone to work for them, it was a market. It was a fair market. So they had to pay the going rate to get that person to work for them. That weren't until years later on, I think in the end of it, I think it was 1998, that after a lot of a lot of jiggery pokery, we we argued our way into having a minimum wage and actually pegging it to a point to a fixed point and saying, "I beg your pardon, I'm still here." Yeah, yeah. Peg, pegging it to a point and saying this is a minimum wage. So the reason I've explained all that is, if you roll forward um, that working wage to today and allow for inflation, I think that works out at about forty pound an hour. That's what we should, right, okay, I'm with you. Yeah, do you see what I mean? So that's why so many people, um, you know, because if, if, if inflation goes up at whatever percent per year mm. and wages don't follow that, for one year, even if it's half percent behind it, this will never catch up. And over the years, over the decades, I should say, inflation's ridden ahead. The, the two things haven't been pegged together. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So generally speaking, that's why working people have got considerably poorer than they were. Which goes back to what the other thing you said of if the floor has been removed, so is the ceiling. Yeah, it does. So why does that make a big difference to Bitcoin? Well, this is quite exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Once you understand what gold is, and I'll just tell you this quickly as well, because I kind of like this part of the story. Where do you think gold comes from, Jill? How do you think that's made? Uh, I, I be honest, I don't know. I don't know what it was made. Well, I, I, I like, I would think most people, I know I've dug out of the ground, um, but I thought, you know, in my naivety, there was some sort of tectonic pressure and some sort of geological thing yeah. that happened. And then there was some sort of soup at the bottom of lava and then that sort of bubbled up and something happened. And there was gold. That's, that's what I, yeah. yeah, that's what I always thought, which is understandable. No, the actual truth is much, much more interesting. Our nearest star is the sun, one astronomical unit away. Um, when a star dies, it goes through a process. It's, it's fuel, depending on what the fuel is, is, is becoming spent. It's like an ember in a fire. And as it becomes spent, it grows like this. It becomes incredibly unstable. And after a long time, it will compress in on itself. And then there is an event. And that event is called a supernova. And in those milliseconds, you can see supernovas from the other side of the universe. They are hugely violent events. In those milliseconds, gold is formed. So all the gold on our planet is the result of the death of a star sneezing from the other side of the universe. Wow. And that's what makes it incredibly rare stuff. So that's the first point to understand. So if you wanted to write a code to mimic the qualities of sound money, of real value, how hard would it be? Well, actually, that's not hard at all because you just take gold as, as a thing and you, you code it. You write, you write that code. And that's kind of what Bitcoin is at its core. But as, we, as I said, when we look at it again at an atomic level, it is so much more than that because it cannot be inflated because of its code. Um, because of the, th- the way the thing runs, 
Um, it's in, incredibly resilient to to attack or being manipulated in any way. In fact, on that one little thing alone, if you if you like stats, um, if you take the power of your your computer as a as a whole thing, if you include the the hard drive and the process, everything within it, and you call that computation power, Bitcoin's computation power is a network of um, anonymous nodes all over the world, tens of thousands of them. They're com combined, sorry, they're called miners, I should say. Their com combined um, computation power is 200,000 times stronger than the world's 500 strongest computers put together. Wow. Okay. So there is something you can see as I tumbled down the rabbit hole, finding all these things out, I thought, what the hell is going on here? Mm. You stumble, stumble across stats like that, you think, how? Why? Do you see what I mean? And then yeah. you try and think, well, who's the man behind it? So then, I, I, you know, at the bottom end of that, you find a man called Satoshi Nakamoto. He's completely anonymous. He came out of thin air. He was one of the original cypherpunks. There was a group of them. Some of their early communications in the 90s are still public knowledge on the internet. And they all seem to be people um, who had a particular gripe with the way things worked. Most of them, I think some, most of them are actually now known who they are. I mean, for example, um, one of the guys who, who had a particular gripe about the way media was misused years down the road turns out to be Julian Assange. Um, so you can kind of see the cauldron that this was all fired in. So Satoshi um, was, was someone, I think, who had the issue with the way money was manipulated and misused and, and this thing with inflation. Okay. So if you look at the, the evidence for it is quite overwhelming, actually. I should also say this. Um, if you look at every Bitcoin transaction that there is, that's recorded on a, um, on a ledger called a blockchain. Blockchain, yeah? You've probably, probably heard of that. So that's the thing that is protected by the computation power. If you look at the first ever transaction of the, 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 first, the in the blockchain, there's actually a hidden code message in it from Satoshi. Okay. Um, not many people know this, and if you look at it, it's actually the front page of the Times. Actually, I'll just just fly off again. One more thing. Hold on. Yeah, right. Not very professional, really, Jill. Sorry. That's yeah, fine, mate. It's fine. <laughs> but that's worth the effort. Yeah. So yeah, the front page of the Times. He just quoted the front page of the Times, and this was the this is called the Genesis block. The front page of the Times, ninth third of January two thousand and nine. So. This is why I just went to get this newspaper. Uh, I applaud anyone watching this or even yourself. Go away. See if you can find a copy of that newspaper anywhere for sale. And I do mean anywhere. You won't even find it. So clearly, the 3rd of January this year is 10-year anniversary for Bitcoin and that famous um, code hidden within, within, the, within the newspaper. If you go and buy a paper, and this is the one from this year, it says along the bottom there, look, Ah, okay. Yeah? Yeah. If you, open, if you open this, there's a whole spread um, just in the first page all about it. So this is the 10-year anniversary in the Times. Someone's paid really, really good money to have that put in there. It's very well thought out. And I would say as a little tip, I couldn't find a copy of the original anywhere. I mean, when I say for sale, I mean anywhere. So if you can, you know, you can still get these, go and buy one. It might be worth a few quid soon, or a few years anyway. Um. 
So yeah, the immutability of the blockchain is a really important thing. The hidden message from Satoshi, who has never been um, ousted, nobody knows who he is, um, in that was, was the headline from the newspaper. And the paper on the day just said, yet another bailout to the banks. <laughs> so the kind of message there was, was the thing going back to the root of what I said about the, the fault of money. There is one more thing I should add to this, which is actually quite exciting as well. There's a thing called the Byzantine General's Fault which is a maths problem. Yeah, it goes back to the Byzantine Empire. Um, it, it's kind of fiddly to explain it in maths terms, but it's very easy to explain it in another way. In 1983, there was a Microsoft engineer who also discovered it is actually a computer science problem as well. So the two, ish, the two problems that are, are, are the same thing, yeah, same solution. And this is how it manifests itself. Just say I have an object on my desktop. Just say that's a picture of this thing. It could be a music file or any other thing, but it's this thing here. Yeah, it's a picture of this pot of salt. Say I want to send this to you, Joel. Yeah, so I email it over to you, and you've got it on your inbox there. I've still got the copy as well. Now, there's nothing to stop you doing one of two things: emailing it to the world or copying and pasting it into Infinity. There is nothing finite about that thing, that digital thing. Yeah, and remember, this exists in our digital banking system as well. There is no solution for it, yeah, yeah, and that's why they've. That's why I think we are, we're at systematic risk because there's a big ball of sort of rubbish in the middle of all of it, which is constantly having to be um, rectified by humans by humans say, making it all correct. So, in two thousand and nine, Satoshi solved the solution. He, he came up with a solution for the Byzantine General's Fault, and he stitched it into Bitcoin and released it into the world. Okay. So, so as we sit here today, Bitcoin is not a company. It has no boss. It has no physical address. It is a free-floating algorithm on the net that nobody, nobody, no government, no person, no hacker, nobody can control. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. It is cool. It issues um, new Bitcoins into circulation every ten minutes. So every ten minutes, right? There's there's, there's a um, a new I think there's 12 and a half Bitcoins coming to circulation. They're capped at 21 million. There will never be one more because it's in the code. And the code is maintained by a consensus of five um, constituencies. And all those, all those constituencies are kind of all um, locked in together. So none of them can do anything without consent from each other. So that, that preserves the code within, if you see what I mean. And so, okay, how do we, this is the exciting part. And again, I should say this with one caveat, because I know probably if you're listening to this, there's probably a few people going to be thinking, I know what I'm not going to do. This is definitely a million percent not financial advice. If anyone's got any interest in this, I suggest the very first thing you do is try and understand um, the technology. Yeah. So how, why is this significant and what effect does it have on money? Well, arguably, and Bitcoin is still in an experiment, Bitcoin is literally the first ever deflationary currency ever invented. So right. what that means is it can only appreciate in value over time. Okay. Because like the mimic in the gold, there's only ever going to be 21 million in ever. That can't change because of the code. They issued or the, the code issued um, 10 and a half million of them straight off within four years, a four year period from 2009 to 2013. And then, Every, yeah, every four years, 
there's another it diminishes by 50 percent and that's called a halving so there's another halving in 2020 the last ones will be issued um in the year 2140 so it's well over 100 years from now so you've got uh, and i think by this half and we probably i think i don't know the exact number something like 18 million so nearly all of them are in circulation by the next half and if you like now um they're not gonna there's not going to be any more of them so they're going to come a finite resource well the exciting thing is we've talked about money we've talked about the mechanics of money the technical things how these all work and what the aspiration of bitcoin is this and that and even the tip of the iceberg the exciting thing is this Bitcoin could be spelt three ways. BTC, which is a ticker symbol. So if you look on a stock market and you look for um, anything, uh, th there will be a little abbreviation, like three letters, yeah. and that will be the company. They don't have the whole name. Beats so as a ticker symbol. So BTC is Bitcoin's ticker symbol. If you spell it with a lowercase b or an uppercase b, it can mean two different things. One of them is a protocol, much in the same way um tcip or pop3 um are protocols for emails yeah yeah, yeah. the other one is an app now it's that's app. the it's an app they're spelled they're spelt exactly the same way one of them's a protocol one of them's an app and what's the app the app is currency so the app is literally the, the currency of bitcoin is literally an app running over the top of a protocol by the same name so this is where I get really excited because what that means is, and I know there are at least, um, because I, I, like I said, we're building a consultancy company based around this, um, that I'm aware of because after, after I think two, uh, 2012, 13 time, that was nearly impossible for one person to keep up with the development rule. But that I'm aware of, there are at least 200 other apps, maybe 300 in the post which is going to be running over the top of that protocol every single one of them needs bitcoin for its lifeblood oh, wow. to work to work do you see what i mean yeah so the more adoption of the technology and we're looking away from the app the first app is currency clearly bitcoin the currency the more adoption of um the more development of, of the second layer technologies and the apps to run over the top of them the more use use that's got the more the value will go up yeah, I can see that. That's yeah. That's cool. That is cool, isn't it? It is cool. Yeah. So, imagine people listening to this now today. What sort of with, with, with their jaws down here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they might have to listen to it a couple of times. I know yeah. I have to go back through and listen to some of this content because it's it's a lot. It's a big. Yeah, that is. A, to be fair, Joe, that is a lot. Um, a lot to take in one hit. It's uh, it's there's also a big shift in mindset as well because from what we've been brought up with. Hmm. You know? Yeah, I should also say it's it's the first asset in human history that you can hold that cannot be taken from you. Okay. So if you lived in Greece, for example, um, despite what everyone thinks of Greece, everyone say they're tax dogs, tax dodging, lazy, whatever, ever, that's not actually the case. If you look at what happened to Greece and what, what they went through, that it was absolutely ruthless um they had you know whatever your politics and all that sort of stuff you can go and research this yourself but what actually happened to them was they got a, a thing the government said to them on a wednesday we are going to close the banks everything shut monday morning when it opened 20 percent of everyone money gone yeah. 
yeah, gone. So where's your FSI or whatever insurance then? No way, out the, out the window. And and you know, there's lots of things. If you if you're if anyone listening to this or yourself is inspired by any of it, go away and have a look around the world and see what's going on now. Once you understand what gold is, the only true form of money, right? Go and have a look at the, some of the threads. China knows this. Russia knows this. America knows this. The Bank of England knows this. Um, and at the moment, there's a massive squabble going on. That's what my son will answer that. There's a massive squabble going on for that gold because they know what's coming next is mayhem in currency. And when that happens, when we when we get this systemic, systemic or this economic collapse coming, which 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 is on the cards, um, I'm afraid there's a race to the bottom from all our governments because what they will do is they will let inflation run really high deliberately to devalue our currency so it's cheaper for us to trade with other currencies if you see what i mean yeah and how they do that is how they control inflation if you look at a central bank in any country the only power they really have is two things they can put more money in or they can put interest rates up and when i say interest rates i mean the base rate that runs underneath um every everything so when they say the bank brings them base rate they mean the base rate um when they put that up, everyone's mortgage goes up. Everything goes up because it's a foundation rate. Yeah. So if you look through, for example, let me just open that door. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I If you look at um, if you look at the um, what happened after two thousand and ten, um, there was a, a, an issue like that then, and and you know that's only an opinion, but the Bank of England let our let our let our inflation rate run up to five five percent, I think, for two or three years. Mm. Yeah. So without even knowing it, we saw something like fifteen to twenty percent of our own value wiped out just in those four years. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know they they spiked dramatically, didn't they? Yeah, and a lot of people struggled and suffered. So. What I'm wondering now is if, if people are you know are interested in this, I know you said go away and listen. Is there is it can you point them to any direction for advice or guidance or I can indeed. Um what 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 advice or guidance would are we talking about? So I'll just imagine how someone who's curious and maybe got the money to invest, perhaps they're already investing in other things, but maybe they want to learn a little bit more or uh... Okay, from an investment perspective, I would say this. If you look on a website called Coin Market Cap, or one word, you will see a list of all the cryptocurrencies there are, yeah? And there are currently about 2,100 and something. 90% of them are complete and utter scams. So okay. that's the first problem. So you've got the layers of problems. You've got the, the misinformation, fake news. You've got all that to climb through first before you're even gonna get anywhere near it. But then when you found out, you know, there's significantly more than you thought and you don't really know what and they've got all these names you then got all the second layers to explore there how does it all work 90 percent of them are scams so that's the, the second thing i would say so what i would say is um drill into bitcoin if you can do what i did and, and understand absolutely what and what we've just been talking about absolutely what that's all about if you want to understand it's an investment the first port of call is understanding how to have hold and store them yourself yeah. and that is a big responsibility simply because as i said being the first asset that you can hold physically hold yourself outside of a custodian like a bank etc ultimately the responsibility is with you um i met a guy through through, through a contact 
few years ago who'd locked himself out of his out of his wallet, digital wallet where his coins were kept. And after some deliberation and a few questions, I said, look, I'm really sorry, my friend. You're never going to get them back. It's impossible. There is no customer service. There's none of this. There's a, a wired set of these wallets up that you are 100% ultimately responsible for. And if you mess that up, you lost them. And that's, that's a brutal truth, though, that is. That is the truth. Okay. Um, other than that, so, so invest in, understand um, how to manage them, move them, buy them, sell them yourself. Avoid these platforms. Um, I'm not going to name them, but you should be able to figure this out where you can go on, and there's a big one in America, big MSC, um, where you can go on and you have to go through all the registration that you'd have to go through with a bank. And then if you want to withdraw them, you know, they, they, they'll make their mind up whether they can let you have them. Again, avoid that. If you just want to buy them and store them, that's the, that's the key to it. The biggest tip, the biggest tip, Google a man called Andreas M. Antonopoulos. Find him on YouTube. He's produced something like 800, maybe 900 hours of content, two books, The Internet of Money. Um, just watch them from front to back and you'll get up. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, you're building a consultancy. Yes, I am. So is is that for like a bit of, from business aspect of people or businesses that want to invest or personal people? Both. Um, it's blockchain consultancy. I've, <laughs> I was lucky enough to be able to secure the name. So I own, um, partly on blockchainconsultancy.com. Uh, sorry, not .com. Um, the limited companies that's registered in the UK um, and Wales. Um, we have a, a chartered accountant. My son's an accountant. I'm a qualified Prince 2 practitioner as well. We've got a, I can never pronounce this properly, an anthropologist who is back, back in the day when, when I did, went through all this, I thought the implications and the impact of this is something that you just, you just cannot quantify. It is going to be phenomenal. And I thought along that way, it's going to have an impact on our political systems because before anything, it's, it's, it's a unit of trust. And if you look at any system we have, and again, this is no moral judgment on banks or politicians or anybody else, but any situation where you have humans in the food chain, you're going to get corruption because yeah. people are going to look after their self-interest. So this is about rebooting and resetting our trust. Um, and it's called trustless. So you just take humans out of it. The impact of that is something, like I just said, I can't really quantify. So that's why I've also got an anthropologist. She's an incredibly clever woman. She's done lots of work for the UN and governments all over the world. So as we move through this, I'm hoping to be able to advise, um, well, anyone really, anyone from you know local authorities to private investors, anyone. Um, and our site is in construction now. I should say it's blockchainconsultancy.io when it goes live, which will be later on this summer, hopefully. Oh, cool. We also run a, um, a course for um, Japanese tourists as well, um, leaving the UK, going to Japan, if that makes sense. Um, there are there are 290,000 people who leave the UK every year to go to Japan on holiday. Um, and Japan, the most technically advanced country in the world, has adopted Bitcoin as their secondary currency. So we, we do a course that helps people. Again, the, the biggest obstacle is this is still quite a clunky technology and a little bit geeky. You have to have some nice with tech. Um, and there's also understanding the risks. I mean, the, the risks aren't 
again, I just said I'm a Prince 2 practitioner. The risks in the methodology we use aren't always considered downside risk. Risk in the methodology we use is is uh, is a, a threat or an opportunity. Yeah, and that's how you keep your um, you don't get sort of pulled one way or the other. So there's risks both ways. The the threat clearly is there are massive market moves in Bitcoin. The price of it can move down. Oh my God, ninety percent. We've just gone through an absolute blinder of a crash, and we're somewhere near the bottom of that crash now. Mm. Um, I should say, each Bitcoin is around about three thousand odd dollars. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy a pound's worth. You know, you can buy any denominator. And the smaller version is called a Satoshi. Um, so the downside risk is clearly you can lose your value if you get caught up in that cycle. The upside risk, of course, is what happened in 2007, where, you know, one single Bitcoin went from about $900 to $20,000 in 11 months. Yeah. That's a risk as well, because when you, when you take your value out of that, you've got tax issues. Um, so we run a class called bitclass.co.uk and there's six parts to it and it covers every everything hopefully you need like a little startup pack if you like it's primarily meant for the japanese tourist industry um we've got the rugby world cup in september this year so we're gearing up our business towards that um and of course next year we've got the olympics in japan so we're pushing for that as well so we're you know between now and when we get round to there we should have our site fully developed but that's live now. You, you, if you want to buy a course in Bitcoin, you can buy that from us. That's not a plug, um, but it is everything you will need to know if you don't want to go away and spend six months to a year doing all the research yourself. Oh, there we go. Okay. So I'm going to put the links attached to that. Is there any other platforms you're on apart from the, the website? Um, no, I'm going to, I'm probably like yourself, Joe, really. I need to get a bit more involved in my social media, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break we've got a plan for this year um and again with with the tech stuff i can find i get very obsessive about about it and my life just disappears so i'm kind of taking a break from i've, I've taken a break from sort of early december and i'm looking to come back and start working on, on a plan for this year probably february uh, march time yeah. and then i'll pick up my social media and start posting so if people want to follow me john willie godfrey they can find me and follow me and see what I'm about and see what's going on. Is that, is that Facebook or LinkedIn? Hey, or? Uh, I'm on all, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, I think. Um, yeah. But like I say, they're not, there's not much activity on them at the minute, but they are all live. Um, and I will be picking them up properly um, towards the end of February, probably March. Exciting times, John. That is. It, this really is. Um, and I can't stress, this is as rare this is as rare as a comet coming past. It's a very rare human human time, you know, to be to be alive. But this, this the next ten years are going to be phenomenal. Yeah, you know, it looks like you're putting yourself in the right position. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'd I'd love to stay in touch and uh, maybe touch base later on in the year, see how things are going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we should do this. We should do this again. I'm up for it, um, and we can see how it pans out. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got some brilliant nuggets in here today, mate. So thank you very much for your time. It's much appreciated. It was an absolute pleasure. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life 
to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. Uh, John, what's the plans uh, for this afternoon then? Um, oh, taxi turn. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I got to get it done and all, but yeah. I've just had a, a friend of mine. You probably saw him in the background. Just walked past Greg. He's, he's an old friend, and we always like to have a natter about what's going on. So I can sort of see a cup of tea coming out. Oh, I do and, it. Uh, another reason not to do my tax return until later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time again. Much appreciated. No worries. Um, it was a I I love talking to you. You've got a you've got a, a passion, and it's it's. I love talking to people with passion. So it's fantastic. Right. Thank, thank you very, very much, John. Have Cheers. a good afternoon. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye now.